turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, and we've been gearing up towards this message on the subject of fellowship. And I actually started this um, as part of my Bible challenge that I was doing on Wednesday nights. And uh, I, I, I came to a spot where I was like, I really wanted to cross the bridge and get into. And I said, you know what? I needed to do this to the whole church. And so we switched subjects with the Bible challenge that we were doing on Wednesday night. And uh, we, I decided to save that for this. Um, Acts chapter 7, as you're turning there, I, I, I started thinking, and I always ask the Lord to... I, it, it's funny how I'm thinking of this spiritual application. The Lord will give me something from my life that was like, well, this is kind of like that. And Remind me, I don't know how many of you guys know this, but growing up, uh, me and Pastor Dave uh, were big time into karate. We took karate for... Uh, uh, five and a half years. We were. It was. It was our life. We we attended classes three times a week, and uh, it was really exciting. It was fun for us. But uh, the way that we got into it, it was like we were at this karate demonstration that was done in in front of Walmart, and they were all lined up. And I'm, I'm like, I was this little kid, and I'm just standing there like, this is just so cool. And they're doing the thing, and the whole class at one time was like, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, man, I want to be that. But then the, something happened that kind of sealed the deal. The Karate Kid movie came out. It was over. I told mom, I'm going to be the Karate Kid. All right, I so bad wanted to do that crane kick thing. And I, I, I couldn't wait to get into it. I couldn't wait to learn karate. And we, we got hooked on it. We loved it. And uh, we took it for five and a half years and went through uh, all, all the belts and all that fun stuff. It was a great experience. And we had... We had to do all the funny stuff. I, I think it's funny now is we had, we had the jackets that we would wear when we go to tournaments, and it all had our logo on the backside. We were all hot stuff. And, you know, we'd walk in with the matching bags and the weapons and go in. And then, I mean, this, this is real intense war, right? You know, we'd, we'd walk out there and all line up. And when, we, when you'd fight in a karate tournament, I don't know how many have ever been in there, you walk out there and you stop and then you do this and then you... You're turning a bow, and then both of you step forward, you fist bump, and then you step forward. You know, and that's, that's ordeal. Can you imagine if that was the, the guys that really did karate? If you were to go back in the history of karate, you know why it was started? For survival. It, it, was, it was a survival thing, that, and, and we have taken it so far of how it is now. Can you imagine being in war and being out there and saying, hey, dude, we didn't fist bump. You know what I mean? Being in battle and, and it, we, we've twisted what it was we've completely lost if you go back to the roots and go oh wow we we, we now have badges logos you know belts and all, all this stuff even their weapons back then was what they would use in the fields and stuff to, to cut down the wheat and, and do those things and then and, and now we like polish them with little stripes on them and sit there and twirl them to music and all this other stuff. They would laugh at us going, what is that? Not the same thing. Man, I, I wanted to prove what I had. So I, I'd, I'd get with my friends and say like, dude, I could bring you down. You don't mess with me. I could bring you down. So anybody that's ever taken karate knows what I'm talking about. So you stand there and you'd be like, you know, punch at me. You know, no. And then you stop and say, no, punch slower. Okay, punch slower. And it was like, no, punch me right here. I need you to punch me. There, there you go. And then you do the block and everything, which is great if you can coach the guy mugging you in that alley. You know, could you do that one more time but slower, you know? I know I'm drawing a, a, a drastic parallel here, but I thought, honestly, I think we've done this with the church. 
I, I think that if we were to go back and study the church of what they did for God getting Christians together for survival and how the, the whole game plan is how they would sit there and they were joining together to be able to keep their families together and they, they formed what they called the church. But if you were to see the church, what was the church and you, you go all the way here, now it is stained glass windows and logos. It's matching t-shirts and, you know, all these and I think we've almost commercialized it and we've <clears throat> brought it to this level and we've, we, we've gotten in some ways, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying what we do is wrong. It's not even wrong to have a, a t-shirt or a logo. It's not wrong, okay? It's the world that we live in and, and getting the word out and websites and worship teams and choirs and microphones and stages and all, all these. I, that's not bad. But what I, when I study, I don't find microphones and stages and logos and then lobbies. And it's not bad that we've used these things as long as we don't forget why it was started. As long as we don't forget the fundamentals and the purpose and the foundation and all those things that was there to begin with. If we dare get away from those things, okay, now we are in trouble. And all of a sudden, the church isn't being as effective because the Lord said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That meant the church was meant to be something powerful and tough. It was meant to be something that could not be reckoned with or fought against when it came to the devil and being able to be pushed over. But I promise you, I see that a lot. Christian families that love God and love others, and yet something, in, that they end up, we, we use the term, falling through the cracks. And, and I'm going to expose that here in a minute and talk about literally what that means and what, where we went wrong and how that has happened. Acts chapter 7, I'm, I hate to tell you, and this is part of the early church. But I'm going to warn you now, it's not as glamorous as we would hope it be. You know, it's not like, you know, all these, we, we, we read the passage, and I was deliberately skipping the passage at first where, and they were all saved, and 3,000 were added to the church. It was like, wow, that's what we want right there. That's great. We do want that. But let me tell you why God brought them together so tight to be a church. The fellowship that they had. Biblical fellowship. We throw that term around so much that we've lost. It, we, we've, we've labeled it something like the whole karate thing when we go back and God says, come here, guys. Come over here. I want to show you what I meant. Let, let me show you what it was. Let me show you how they were able to withstand this right here. Stephen had just preached this passionate message to the crowd. They didn't like it. Guys, we, we think we have it rough when we stand up and we preach a message that the world doesn't like. It says in Acts 7.54, and Stephen finished this message, and when they had heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on them with their teeth. Literally, they were, they were so angry, they were grinding their teeth in anger. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon them in one accord and cast them out of the city and stoned them. And a witness laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus... Received my spirit, and he kneeled down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. When he had said this, he fell asleep. You, you, talk, you talk about living as a follower of Jesus Christ. You talk about living in a generation that they rejected everything that Jesus Christ stood for. They were religious, but they were anti Jesus. 
And anyone that stood up to proclaim the name of Jesus was fought against to like crazy. Christians during this time that, that weren't even labeled Christians yet were considered radicals. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm going to tell you guys and warn you something that we're headed in that direction again. You're saying, no, we're not. Oh, yes, we are. Slowly, slowly, <clears throat> Christians are being labeled as radicals. What we do, how we live our lives, how we separate from things that are wrong, how we take a stand against things, how we, we speak out against different things. Little by little, we keep stepping into a realm that people are looking at us as radicals. And, and we had warnings in the Bible saying, hey, perilous times will come. And I, a couple of weeks ago, I kind of I, I touched on those things. But let me tell you, through all of this, you need to be warned and understood that they could not, could not stop the gospel. They couldn't. They could stone. Actually, when they stoned Stephen, they actually started a wildfire. They, they took a little fire that was going on and they kicked it all over that region. And, and churches and fires and revivals and, and people being saved began to spread all over. That's how God worked. But the reason why they stayed together, there was a foundation that was taught and established by Jesus Christ that could not be shut down. It was God's plan. It was a perfect plan, and it was an effective plan. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter is preaching the gospel. <clears throat> this is the foundation. Anytime you see a church that is doing something big for God, you're going to find that this was the center of it all. <clears throat> it is not about all the hoop and holler that we try to do a lot of things. And if, if this church is not founded... On the word of God, we will fall apart. And when the storms come and the persecution comes and all that stuff comes, you will fall apart. We will fall apart without making this foundation. We see this right here. They are tearing it up, preaching the gospel, preaching the truth in this passage. And the Bible says in this crowd, when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Conviction fell it was no, come on, come on. They, they weren't begging them down the aisle. They weren't twisting their arms. They weren't trying to say, one, two, three, repeat after me. They were pricked in their heart because the Holy Spirit of God fell upon them and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and your children to all them that are far off even as many earth as the Lord our God shall call. With many other words, he did testify and exhort. I would love to have heard those other many words. Saying ye yourselves, <clears throat> save yourselves from this uh, 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 untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word and were baptized on the same day, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. They continued. This church went forward. They established. They fought against it. They were able to go through chapter 7 that we just read. Everything because of this right here. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. If you have your Bible, if you have a pen, I would mark that down. 
Circle the word fellowship. Understand what that is. Understand that this was biblical from the beginning. Even from the heart of Pastor Denoff, when he started Fellowship Baptist Church almost 50 years ago, started it, labeled it in the community that this fellowship. It didn't mean that, that we <clears throat> meet once a week and have donuts. It wasn't talking about the fact that we hang out in the lobby and talk about Buckeyes. It meant that there was something deep and rich and powerful of an assembly of God's people coming together that was there for one another and built upon the solid rock that the devil could not blow over. And in this passage right here, we do not read of pews, songbooks, bulletins, welcome teams or worship teams or choirs or all the other things that we have labeled as being necessities for church. And I love those things. They are the bonus of what we have. But what we find at the core of this was God's people. We read of the word fellowship here, but let me give you the definition. Fellowship is a community. I'm, I'm reading the Greek definition. Fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation. It means to share in what people are going through, to participate, to fellowship, intimacy, a gift jointly contributed, a collection. The definition that the Bible is teaching right here, the church was the people that had a bond together. There was a deep connection. They shared in a sacrificial love. Now I'm going to break this up in two weeks and I almost feel like I could have just preached for two hours and held you guys here and gone through the whole thing so I didn't have to stop and put the brakes on it and pause and then say to be continued. But there's no other way around it. I have two main points that I'm going to give you today. Number one, the church must be a connected community, not just a congregated crowd. Let me say that again. The church must be a connected community, not just a congregated crowd. I, I, two weeks ago, I was preaching in Hebrews 10.25, and the Bible says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the days approaching. That word right there in that passage was talking about not forsaking means to call near, to invite, to invoke, to comfort, to desire, to, to, to rally around, to pull them together. It wasn't just the idea of a congregation because just a, a past couple of weeks and, and all across our nation with all the sporting events, they gather together in these stadiums. But let me tell you, just because they have a congregation of 10, 20, 50, 80,000 people does not mean that they have a church. And for you to think that walking through those doors and sitting in a pew and listening to me speak and them sing and you sing, it means that you're part of the local church does not mean that you're part of the local church. I'm sorry to tell you that. Attending a building, wearing the t-shirt, and having a logo on your refrigerator magnet that says Fellowship Baptist Church does not make you part of the fellowship that is part of this church. And that, my friend, is why we have so many people that feel like they're not cared for when they sit in a pew. That, my friend, is why we have so many people that will sit there and be able to go in the hospital and not have people follow up to visit them or not have people to care for them or lift them up. Or That's why we have people that are even contemplating the idea of suicide that are so low in their life and they have nobody to reach out to because they are part of a building that assembles to listen to music and a message rather than being part of the fellowship of the church. And in this day and age, 
In Hebrews, when it said, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, exhorting one another, calling near, pulling them together, praying over one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, the closer we get, the more I see stuff going on in this world that tears me apart inside. I have never in all of my life growing up, I never, when I was a teenager, experienced what these young people are experiencing today. Have you guys noticed this? The concept of cyberbullying and bullying inside schools to the point where one after another, young people are taking their lives, cutting themselves, going through depressions and seeing psychiatrists because they cannot deal with their self-identity after being slandered and ripped apart in schools. You know why the Bible says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching? Because God was screaming out to the church saying, they need what you have of pulling people together and giving them what they are not getting in the world. Let me show you a few things from this passage. I, I, I just want to pick this apart and walk through this. They were connected by their conviction. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, and they gladly received his word and were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I, I, I want you guys to get this. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start saying some things that are going to make you really uncomfortable. So just brace for it, okay? The thing that we've got to understand, it's okay to be a little uncomfortable in church. Don't go to a church that's just going to sit there and take you by the hand and go, oh, is this okay? You don't need that. You know what the Bible says that when Peter got done preaching, the Bible says they were pricked in their heart. Do you know what pricked in their heart meant? That they were told the truth. And the truth convicted them to the point where they cried out to a God. Here, here, here's some truth that's not being told anymore. The truth is there is a real hell. People that die without Jesus Christ go to a real hell. There is flames. It's for eternity. It will never end. And there's no way out. That is the truth. Now, a lot of people sit there and say, I, I tell you what, I don't want to be in a church that's going to make me feel bad and just get up there and preach on hell. Well, the thing is, I'd rather hear about hell now than then. Because then there's nothing you can do about it. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you the truth. So here's the thing. You need to let me tell you the truth. Because I answer to God as a pastor, and you answer to God as a Christian to tell the truth. They were pricked in their heart. They sat there and they heard the truth. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you that out of this passage, and I'm going to tell you some things that are going to make you feel uncomfortable. Here's one of them. Here, here, the, the very fact is, and I've got to illustrate this. They were added to the church. Taken from something else. The word add means to take and multiply something. Okay, I, I, I've read over this so many times. and I Steve, come here. He was, he was pricked in his heart, and he was added to the church, okay? He was, he was, Rebecca, can I add you to the church? Okay, you guess so. It's a privilege to be called out by God. No, okay. <laughs> Just stand right here. Pastor Joe, can you stand with your wife? Okay. Megan, can I add you to the church? Yes, come on up. You're part of the church. Welcome. Okay. Okay, he added to the church. He, he, he took away 
from the world, those that were sitting in the crowd that day that were pricked in their heart and they realized and somebody made a move and they stepped out and they joined something. That's the, if, I, if I was going to add money to my kid's piggy bank or whatever, I'm taking money from here and I'm adding it to this. It multiplied. It was separated. It was different. They are no longer, if you guys will visualize this, no longer here, but they were added here. And, and I know you guys are thinking, he has lost it. I have lost it. I'm on very little sleep right now. I'm not thinking clearly. I could, I could be talking about rainbows and Skittles by the end of this the message, but I don't think I've lost it yet, so hold on to me. Hold on to this. <laughs> they were added to the church. I mean, I want you guys to know something. You've been called out of the world, okay? You've been called out of the world to something different. And I'm not in this situation for, for just a minute. You guys are the world. But in the world that we go by is they were pricked in their heart and they had the word of God. All of a sudden, they stepped into something that was different. And there's a danger when the church doesn't understand that there is something different from the world than from the church. And when we try to blend in and there is no separation and there is no level of difference when it comes to that, you guys now, as being the church, you live by the word of God. It's the only way to live. It is what makes you added to the church. The church was not a building. It was a fellowship of believers that had something in common. That was Jesus Christ. But when we turn around and all we do is duplicate this into another version of that, there's no difference. When they walk out of a bar into a church and they quit one club to join another club, but it's not followed by God's word, it falls apart. And all of a sudden, they're sitting there thinking, I was lonely there, I'm lonely here. I was unfulfilled there, I'm unfulfilled here. It's not the way it was meant to be. It's not the way that it was meant to be. So to attend and not tap in to what God has separated us to be in the last days, as he said, and so much so more as you see the day approaching, you will become a casualty, and I'm telling you that now. Because I love you. I'm not saying to join a club. But we have to learn to tap into the biblical foundation of fellowship. You guys can be seated. They were connected by their convictions. You guys have to understand that for a church, a local church, and I'm laying a foundation of where I'm going with this. As a local church... We, we, I, I, I teach my, my kids what is right and wrong. I teach them how, how to live and how to marry. I teach them what should be in their house one day and what shouldn't be in their house one day. I teach them what should be in their iPod and what should not be in their iPod. I teach them what should be on their TV and what shouldn't be on TV. And I'm not doing it by my opinion, but the Bible says I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes and I will not curse my God and I will not hold up fornication. I will not do all these things that is so wickedly around us every single day. And see, the thing is, the fellowship that God has established is not just a conviction of that I believe that I'm on my way to heaven. It's the conviction of how I'm going to live while I'm on my way to heaven. I can't be alone in this. Please don't leave me alone in this as I'm trying to teach my kids righteousness. And the thing is, 
that group, and I'm just trying not to have them stand up there the whole time, that group that's been called out and added to the church, separated from there, come out from among them and be separate, thus saith the Lord. It's not that we don't go to jobs. It's not that we don't drive cars. It's not that we don't eat at restaurants. It's not that we live in the woods and live under a rock or in a bubble. It's not any of those things. We are to be in the world because we are the light of the world. But when it comes to biblical fellowship, I need some place to retreat to. And people that are going to stand where I stand. People that are going to help enforce to my kids what I enforce. You say, well, I don't know what page you're on. These are the only pages you need to be on with me, okay? Not Reader's Digest. Not O Magazine. Not all the others. I don't care about that. I need you to be on, on course with this. These people in a world that all this stuff was going on, they gathered together in an assembly, a group, called out and added to a church, later becomes the church, because they were combined, they were connected through their conviction. Look at verse 44. And all that believed were together. They found a little place of rest. And they had all things in common. And so I'm telling you guys right now that this is something special. Something, something special was going on here. There was a bond through the convictions. There was a connection through the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, their spirit would bear witness with his spirit, and his spirit would bear witness with them. And all of a sudden, they would sing a song, and they'd all begin to weep and they'd pray and so and so and all of a sudden something was going on here that was so different than anything that they ever experienced and it wasn't because they were all black, white, Spanish, whatever. It wasn't because they were all from the south or the north. It wasn't any of those things. It wasn't because they were older in their 60s or in their 20s. It wasn't, because, it wasn't any of those things. What they had in common was the fact that they were grounded and founded on this, the word and the spirit of God. They were also connected by their care. Notice verse 45. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Let me warn you guys right now, this is intense. I'm taking you back not to logos and t-shirts. I'm trying to take you down to a foundation of what was going on, of what the church was. Here, I'm not saying this is bad, okay? This is a great congregation, Let's all stand up and fellowship, okay? Hi. 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 All righty. Got that done. That was good. Whew. I feel edified. Shaking hands is great. I, I, I would tell you, you get to know people, get around, and all this. I'm not knocking the shaking hands part. Let me read it again. And they sold their possessions and their goods. And they parted them to all men as every man had need. I think the fellowship that they had that was going on was a little further than, good morning. <laughs> How are you? Oh, my house was burnt to the ground last night. My husband was beat to a pulp. Oh, that's good. We're glad you're here. You know. <laughs> it was a little different. They gathered together and they were sitting there and they would... 
bearing each other's burdens of what was going on. And they said that they, they found out that we were believers and followers of Christ and said, what happened? They, they, they burnt our house. We've been, we've been living down the street now. We've, we, we moved in with the so-and-sos, but I mean, there's not enough space there. I don't know what we're going to do. And they gathered in the other room and said, guys, I know what we're going to do. I, I've got that other, that, I've got that ox and I got this and we, well, let's sell that and we'll just take care of them. And all of a sudden, there was a bond and a connection and a care for one another that was indescribable. And you're saying, wow, I, I, so that means you're going to pay my bills? Don't start reading into this, please. <laughs> you're going to start getting all these bills in the mail. <clears throat> I want you to understand that there was something deeper going on within the body of Christ that was a whole lot more than, good morning, how are you? When Christians are facing trials and tribulations and they're going through it, did all they get on Sunday morning is, hi, and how are you? Something's wrong. I want you guys all to turn with me now to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I, I'm, I'm going to jump over here and kind of plug this in because we're gonna, I'm going to show you the same word of fellowship that it's, it's another, it's the same root word for the Greek word. But when you read it, you're not going to identify it the same. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. And <clears throat> talking about the called out ones, the church, the ones that had been added to something, which is the body of Christ, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. The term or phrase here that means kindly affection is only used here in the entire Bible. It means a tender love. It is the love that is described as a parent for their child. It is the same thing that we hear. How many of you guys know that your kids, if you have kids, they have different cries? There's a cry that you yell out, stop it. And then there's a cry that you hear that you sprint to. Do you know what I'm talking about? When it, when it comes to my kids and I hear that cry that I know my son or daughter is in pain, they were hurt, they, they got their door, their, their hand trapped in the door, or they stepped on a I mean, you know, something that happens, you better get out of my way. <laughs> because parents don't think, all they're thinking is get to that child as quickly as possible. And in this Bible is saying right here to be that kind of kindly affectionate one to another where it says that brotherly love. It was not talking about, hi, how are you? And the only thing, it's literally the, the passionate, tender love that a father has for their children to where we have a bond through the Spirit of God. And you say, where do we get some such crazy love like that? You take a God that takes on flesh it's scourged, beat, nailed to a cross and lifted up and cries out to the people and says, forgive them. That's crazy love. That's love beyond description. That's love beyond. And then he says that, that, that the church is supposed to love one another as Christ loved us and that, that we're to continue in my love one toward another. And you read First John and you read all that, you're just like, Whoa. And, and then all of a sudden, we have the local church, and we're realizing that a lot of what we have, just to be honest, is very shallow. It's shallow. 
you know how hard it is for me to be able to say this? Because I want to get up there and say, we're nailing everything. We got it taken care of. Where's no problems? That would be a lie. See, let, let's, let's keep reading. This, this is cool. It says, in honor, preferring one another. The word preferring means go before. Now, this is going to be crazy. It means to go before to set an example to, to help or assist. Now, I, can I just use you guys for a second? Cindy, can you help me? This is crazy because this is totally opposite. And I'm just studying this out. You guys can line up with me. We're, we're back in the church again. Okay. And this is what the Bible says about that tender love of, and, and we're building, I, I'm keep building this and stuff. And I mean, I'm, I'm watching out for these guys. I'm, I'm not just saying, hey, what's up? I, I mean, I'm, my heart bears witness with his heart. And, and I mean, we, we stand in the same convictions. We're willing to die as we pursue for Jesus Christ. All these things are going on. It's crazy. And through this, the Bible says preferring one another literally means to help example, set the example. In the world that we live in, you know what it is? It's dog eat dog, cut each other's throat, get ahead, make more money than they do, climb the ladder of success. It's all those things. And yet in the church, you know what the Bible is literally saying when it comes to this? And the fellowship, the fellowship preferring one another and brotherly love that God was saying. When it comes to Joe being a father, this is my job. I'm going to be like, Joe, you keep going, buddy. It's not a matter of me trying to compete with him and being like, well, I want to prove that I'm a better dad than he, or no matter what it is, fatherhood, financing, possessions, car, job, how much you give or whatever. You know what the idea was? In the fellowship that we have, we're constantly pushing each other forward, not, not trying to get ahead and go, oh, look at me. Do you know how much pride we have in our churches where it's a status thing of how long I've attended or what I do or what positions that I have and do you know who I am and how many badges that I wear and all this other stuff? Dear God, I, I, I pray that I never get to the point where I'm the senior pastor of the church and I become a big shot. If I become a big shot, I become worthless for the cause of Christ. Let me say that means for all of us, but in the bond of the spirit of brotherly love that God was establishing right there, it was a matter of preferring one another, was constantly the care that we had for one another was my goal, my heart was to constantly help Joe do better. You know what Joe does when he gets up there? He turns around and Joe pushes me forward. I reach back and say, here, let me help you. And it's constantly, this is the mind of Christ. Never competing Never better than anybody else. This, this bond, this church, these people, they're called out. They're different. Now, you take the Roman soldiers and all these other sects of people and the Pharisees. Just take the Pharisees. They, they would stand on the street corner on a pedestal and read their Bible just to be noticed. They would rebuke everybody else because they weren't as spiritual as they were. Dear God, please help us not to be, please, Lord, like the Pharisees. But help us to be like that, where we're preferring and pushing in honor. Did you read that? In honor, preferring one another. The word honor means to respect. Meaning, meaning and, it, and it's not just him or her, how long they've been there, or whatever. It means all of us, meaning that I respect you as a brother in Christ, regardless of your status, your income, your car, your reputation, your tattoos, your smoking, your drinking, or wherever you're at. You're, my goal is, Joe... I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to honor you and respect you and try to push you forward. 
I want to help you. I, I want to get you out of that. Get you on that solid rock and help you. And success comes when we bring glory to God, not attention to us. Thank you, guys. Verse 13. Distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. That word distributing is the same root word for the word I had you circle and ask that means fellowship. It means to share with others, to communicate, to distribute, to be partakers. It, it, it literally means that what I have and what Joe has is for my blessings, my encouragement, my knowledge, my all these things, that the fellowship that we have is more than just having cake or our fellowshipping at an event or eating a dinner together, but was distributing, sharing, pulling in, partaking with one another the things that God has given us. Say, what do you mean? Let me show you. Verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. When you get a raise, Joe, when you get a raise, we both party. I'm just reading it for what it says. You get a raise, you take me out for steak because we're partakers of this. Well, when you lose a family member, I should feel the pain of that as well. You're not alone. You shouldn't feel alone. Nobody should feel alone. That, brother, that brotherly love, that coming together, and, and, and let me tell you, and I, I know it's almost a little off subject or whatever, but I, it's, it's right there in my lap and all this, and, and even, even this past week when we, we had to be out of our apartment on Friday, and by Thursday, we'd not even moved a dresser drawer out of our apartment. I mean, we'd not started packing because we had to fix up our house to even start that. And, and I told Jen, I said, I don't know who to call. I, hate, I said, I hate when people call me at the last minute. We just got off schedule of what's going to happen. And I had a crew of people that showed up in the morning. I had a crew of people that showed up in the afternoon. And I didn't twist anybody's arm. You know what it was? They felt my pain because they were connected to me. We have been robbed. And our generation and our children are being robbed even worse by social media to where we share our feelings and emotions on a digital screen rather than heart to heart with tears and emotions. There are legitimate, hardcore needs that walk through the local church every single week. And if we don't have a way to connect those and share those and build them up and edify one another, we're going to be in trouble. Let me finish with this. Because I have no idea what time it is. My iPad doesn't have a clock, which is kind of cool. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what happened to it. It's all good. The, the, the Bible says they were connected from their conviction. They were connected um, by their care, but they were also connected by their cause. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. 
And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. See, through everything that we've talked about, all these things that we just mentioned, you know what God was doing? He was equipping the church. He was meeting their needs so that they could go out. He was sharpening their sword and strengthening their strength and their faith and their hope. He was edifying one another. He was preferring one another. He was strengthening their families and helping dads to be better dads and moms to be better moms. And, and, and when they would cry, they would cry. And they would get through that emotional grief because they had somebody with an arm on this side and an arm on this side getting their family through. But the Bible says the result of this is the fact that they were going out. And the Bible says daily was adding to the church. I'm going to say a statement that I'm, going to, that I'm just going to be honest with you guys. And it takes a lot for me to do this because I just want to be transparent. I believe that we're really good at doing more of replacing the saints than adding to the church. I'm just going to be honest. Because what happens is we take convert, get saved, they get excited, and they're added to the church but I think there's a back door somewhere that I'd love to find, slam it and bolt it shut. Because that number should be increasingly growing and growing and growing. But let me ask you, how can we have people join the church and be saved and the attendance of our church not grow and grow and grow? Now, I'm not saying that it hasn't. But I want to know where the missing people are. Because it's a great thing to say we had 25 people saved. But I also want to ask the question, where are they? And sit there and say, you're standing before all of us telling us that you're failing in areas? Yes, I am. But I'd rather be honest and fix it than to sit there and turn my head and pretend like nothing's wrong. I will see people that are so zealous for God and they end up going out the back door. I've seen people that <clears throat> are in this <clears throat> church, if you will, up here on the stage. If you have all these people that keep adding to the church and then all of a sudden somebody slips out and then I ask them later. I run into them at Walmart or wherever it is and I'll be like, oh my goodness, where? Oh man, I have not seen you in. They'll turn and go, six months. Has it been that long? Yeah. I never got a phone call. I, my mom died and she went through a hard time with chemotherapy and cancer and all that. And I almost lost my job in the middle of that and had to move in with my sister and, uh, you know, going on and on and on. And I stand there and go, I I didn't know. I didn't know. Well, I wasn't in the church really long enough to connect, and I don't know. I just kind of thought that you had a database with phone numbers that you'd call, and I'm thinking, wow, have that, is that where we've gotten to? Databases and bulk text messages to say we love you? Is that, is that really what we need? 
And let me tell you, from my heart, if you got the idea that that's the pastor's job to go after every one of these people, then, then, then I should have a cape with an S on it. I can't. Not enough time in the day. And I, I, I was reading through this, and I came across a passage that deeply convicted me. When I'm reading about Stephen, which we were just read, and it said <clears throat> that they got deacons and men of the church to help them do the daily administration of the work so that he could give himself to praying and studying of the word. You know what I find myself some weeks doing? Everything but praying and studying the word. And I'm not saying this to complain. I'm not. If anything, I'm just trying to be so clear and transparent to you guys that I have a deep desire to build what God established as a church. Not my mindset of a bulletin says, we had X amount of people. Yay! It's a congregation. It's a crowd. God didn't call me to build a crowd. He called us to reach people. And if, if we're going to reach people, then we have to figure this thing out of what biblical fellowship is, is, is the fact that we're arm in arm, shoulder in shoulder, as the body of Christ. It's not an organization with this head guy that sits there with a database running around to find out who's missing all the time. Or I send out bulk texts and says, hey, missed you, loved you, or we send out and all these things. If we're not connected the way that the Bible is telling them, we went through passage, 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 and I have not even, <clears throat> I just split my message in half that I already split the series in half to do next week. I just split this in half. I didn't even get to it. But I'm here to tell you, and I'm just trying to be open and honest with all of my heart, and you're sitting there going, wow, this is not, I, I just wanted to hear how wonderful God was and all this. God is wonderful, but we discover his wonder through each other. We discover his blessing through the body of Christ we edify, we build up, we minister, we carry each other's burdens. We're, we're there for one another. And some of you right now are sitting there going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because you've been in this church long enough where you have connections all over the place. You have people that have your back and you're so ingrained in Fellowship Baptist Church that this is part of you. But then there's others that sit there and say, like that back door, the ones that slip out and they're just like, you know, I just... Decided to find somewhere else that somebody was going to know my name or pull me in or invite me out or pray with me without me having to go down the altar in the middle of a song to kneel down to get prayer within a church. It's my heart. It's what I'm telling you. You say, what are we going to do? I, I, we, we've got a plan because it's got, it's got to be fixed. It's got to be biblical. And it's got to, it's all, you say, how do you fix it? You don't run to Lifeway and buy a book. Don't get on CBD or in Christian book and don't, you know, all these other websites and all these things that we can do. I found it. It's called His Holy Word. And I realized that it will never fail. It never gets outdated. And it worked 2,000 years ago when they started the church and it's going to work today as long as we're willing to follow and submit to it and realize who we are and what God's called us to be.